This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Leadership is an influence relationship among leaders and followers who intend real change that reflect their mutual purposes. End quote. Those are the words of author and professor Joseph Rost. Surprisingly little information is readily available about Dr. Rost, which seems to be a theme of the last few episodes, and that is all despite his long, 92-year career, which was quite illustrious. But what I can tell you is that he was born in 1931 and was a professor emeritus of leadership at the University of San Diego for 20 years, from 1976 to 1996. And he was posthumously awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award in 2008 by the International Leadership Association. The ILA is one of the most recognized and prestigious leadership organizations in the world. And as you know, listener, if you've been here for more than an episode or two, I have a soft spot in my heart for leadership. It's organic to my Marine Corps profession and is probably the topic that has consumed more of my conversation time over the last 15 years than most other professional conversations. It's an area which I am most interested and have invested a lot of time and energy thinking and reading over the years. And I find it odd that while leadership is the halo around nearly every great human accomplishment, it is vastly understudied and underrecognized. Dr. Rose doesn't even read a Wikipedia page, apparently, as an example. And that annoys me. Because I challenge you to name a significant human accomplishment in which leadership did not play a decisive role. Every great conqueror of the world, whether you agree with what they did or not, every great scientific accomplishment, every great business, every great academic accomplishment has had leadership nested inside of it. The big ones are obvious, right? The Napoleons and the Eisenhowers. The scientific ones are obvious. NASA landing on the moon, NASA sending a rover to Mars. Those are significant accomplishments, all based in leadership. Now, individual academic accomplishments, those are a little bit harder to see. But I would argue that leadership of self, as we've talked about here before, that is incredibly difficult, had to be in play. Even if you were a single researcher somewhere, be you Isaac Newton or Niels Bohr or one of the modern researchers, you had to be disciplined. You had to lead yourself in order to accomplish your great academic feat. So leadership is everywhere. Now you may say, but physics and mathematics and engineering and architecture, they make the world what it is. Okay. Artists and photographers and writers and poets, they describe the world in beautiful ways. They do. Leaders and and leadership nerds, such as yourself, just read and write and, and tell people what to do. And that's a very reductive definition of leadership. And not so, I say, and not so, says many others, including late Dr. Roast. Leadership is difficult, especially with difficult situations and difficult people. Sure, leading a group or a team somewhere when everyone is on the same page and shares a common goal and agrees with the systems and the methods that are in place is easy. But even in those optimal conditions, it takes truly great leadership to optimize performance. And I know that's a cliche term, but I mean it here in the very literal sense. Take, for example, a sports team. 
since the Super Bowl just occurred a couple of weeks ago, will use football. All the players agree that they want to win. All the players agree that plays and schemes are the way to do that. And they submit to the authority of the head coach, right? Yet not every team, I'm looking at you, Chicago Bears, performs optimally. Why? Because leading and leading well are different things. Last week, we talked about puzzle pieces, and in the quote Rabbi Kushner made, mentioned that some people's puzzles are more assembled in their original form than others. And if we apply the same logic to leadership, we can see how natural-born leaders is a term that we all know. Some people seem to take to it. Others must learn. And when circumstances are most challenging and challenging personalities are in play, conventions and playbooks and schemes and authority are simply not enough. Even natural-born leaders aren't enough in these situations. And this is where true leadership shines. The type of leadership that is honed and practiced and devoted. The really rare stuff. The stuff of this quote. Now, Roast recognizes and encourages leaders to step away from authoritarian-style do-as-I-say leadership and into a mutually beneficial leader-led or leader-follower influence relationship. In fact, he wrote an entire book on the topic, titled Leadership for the 21st Century. And in that book, he has today's quote. He says, quote, Leadership is an influence relationship among leaders and followers who intend real changes that reflect their mutual purposes. End quote. Great. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it. But Roast knows that in that one sentence, there isn't sufficient information to go forward. So he clarifies immediately after his quote, lest there be any confusion, which I suspect there already is out there. Maybe you've already listened to this and said, wait a second, there's discontinuities here. Things don't make sense. This isn't accurate. I don't know why you brought this to us. Well, we're going to get there. I think there probably is some of that confusion, and so did he. So he says that in order for a leader-led or leader-follower influence relationship to exist, there are four essential elements that must be in place. The first, that the relationship is based on influence. Well, what does that, what does that even mean? To me, I think it means that somewhere in the relationship, there has been a spoken or unspoken acknowledgement that both sides are willing to yield a little bit of their power from the top, I suppose, and to take a little bit more power from the bottom, the follower, I suppose, such that influence between the two parties, and you'll hear here in a moment, there's never just two, but between the leader and the follower, or leaders and followers, both decide that influence is going to be the method by which they attack problems. Roast says that the influence relationship must be multidirectional, and that's what I'm talking about here. It must work both ways, not just leader to follower. That's not influence, that's authority. But critically, follower to leader. This requires both buy-in from the follower and humility from the leader. And the influence behaviors must be non-coercive. We could also add non-manipulative, self-effacing, and altruistic, even for the betterment of the organization, is a way to look at it. The second, he mentions, is leaders and followers are the people in this relationship. That means the followers are active, and this is absolutely key. Disinterested followers don't have the buy-in, or another way to put it, the give-a-shit, to be trusted influencers. He says there must be more than one follower, 
and there is typically more than one leader in the relationship. So this broadens the scope to all types of organizations and efforts, be they volunteer, be they paid, be they churches, be they community activities, be they sports teams, formal or informal, or even just your family. Parent, parents, child, children, all of them. There's an influence relationship there, at least in the good ones. He says the relationship is inherently unequal because the influence patterns are unequal. This is a little bit of a head-scratcher. But at times, one direction may dominate the other in terms of influence. And this creates an inequality. A lot of times, the scale starts in the direction of influence from the top down. As a leader is feeling out this type of relationship with their followers to see if it works. Initially, letting go of those authoritarian tendencies that tend to permeate every walk of life, because that's what we think leadership is, can be hard to let go of. But as the leader gradually lets go, the amount of influence that they exert, top-down, can swing the other direction. And maybe for a while, it is completely bottom-up. There's a lot of influence coming from the followers, and the leader is simply responding to that. That's not bad. That's not a wrong thing. In fact, that's a hallmark of a leader-follower-influence relationship, according to Roast. Number three, leaders and followers intend real changes. Intend means that leaders and followers purposely desire certain changes. Okay, agreeing on these purposeful changes, I'd argue, can be one of the more difficult cornerstones to lay. If you don't have a common goal, it's very hard to have an influence relationship because your influences are pushing in different directions, potentially counterproductive to one another. He says real, quote-unquote, means that the changes the leaders and followers intend must be substantive and transforming. And this means these are probably not quick changes. These are not simple fixes. Complex problems require complex solutions, right? You must be willing, as we've talked about on this podcast before, to take a strain. Because complaining is easy, but grabbing the rope and pulling in the same direction takes investment from both the leader and the follower. Leaders and followers do not have to produce changes in order for the leadership to occur. They intend changes in the present, the changes, however, take place in the future if they take place at all. Leaders and followers intend several changes at once. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that particular bullet. I think that tackling one big problem at a time is a perfectly acceptable leader-follower relationship, but as most things go, rarely is it that simple. And lastly, number four, he says leaders and followers develop mutual purposes. Again, I mentioned that this is one of the probably most difficult things for a leader and follower to establish before they step off and begin work towards solving those problems in this influence relationship. The mutuality of these purposes is forged in the non-coercive influence relationship. Leaders and followers develop purposes, not goals. The intended change reflect, not realize, those purposes. And the mutual purposes become common purposes. All of that is to say that by clearly defining what the problem set is, they develop a purpose. That purpose is changed. That purpose is systematic. It's not necessarily goal-oriented. It's not necessarily about hitting a specific metric. It's about solving something that may be systemic. And the intended changes that they make reflect the purposes, not the goal. A purpose is something much easier to stick to when the going gets tough than a simple goal. Maybe the goal shifts, maybe the market changes, maybe the interest levels differ. But a purpose to improve the organization 
is something that, regardless of what the end goal is, can be worked towards. In the Marine Corps, we call that commander's intent. At the end of the day, the end state for what we're trying to accomplish is X. How we get there, what the goals are along the way, doesn't matter. What matters is the end state. So by defining that end state in the leadership continuum, the leader and the follower can work together, influencing one another, nudging, cajoling, pushing, challenging towards a common purpose. Now, two things stand out for me from all of that about from Roast. First, Roast, when he wrote the book, didn't have the largely negative connotation we have today of the word influence. Perhaps you cringe a little bit just hearing it. Because we have, what, social media influencers and political influencers, and they've tainted the word. Though it really is the most appropriate way to describe what it is that they're doing. But this is not that kind of influencer. This is invested and devoted leadership and followership. There's a difference. Secondly, nowhere in the quote or the follow-on explanation does he mention the word trust. And I was surprised by that. Because everything that he talks about in both the quote, the single-line quote, and the explanation of the four keys that must be in place for this to work sounds a lot like trust. So everything is built around this idea of trust. And if you think about it, going back to social media and political influencers, why are they effective at actually influencing people? Well, because there's some trust there. What shampoo or watch or sports car is best? Which club or country should I visit next? Your trust in your influencer is what leads you to decide that sometimes. That's why they're effective. That's why companies pay them big money to influence. So again, I'll defend the position that leadership is hard, but also so is followership. As the saying goes, people don't quit their job, they quit their bosses. And I personally don't even like the term boss. I think it sets the entire relationship off on the wrong course. But that's probably a whole other episode. And make no mistake, organizations need leaders. Leaders play an important role in the functioning, communication, and protection of organizations. In fact, Rose touches on this as well. In addition to evangelizing his influence relationship between leaders and followers and the values thereof, he talks about the importance of leadership or, as, or managers, as he calls them. And there's a distinction there, but for all intents and purposes, he means one and the same. So I'll leave you with his quote on this as we close for today and go out ourselves to be better leaders and better followers, influencing and being influenced. Roast says, quote, People love to work for well-organized managers who facilitate getting the job done by coordinating the work of various people. End quote. Think on that today as you go about your day. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.